Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 37, Text 9. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Devarsha. Upasam Gamya Bhagavat Pravaro Nipa Krishnam Aklishta Karmanam Rahasyetara Bhashita. My dear king, thereafter Lord Krishna was approached in a solitary place by the great sage among the demigods Narada Muni. That most exalted devotee spoke as follows to the Lord who effortlessly performed his pastimes. Omigana Timarandasya Gananjana Shalakaya Taksurun Malitamyena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam Tapitamyena Bhutale Sayam Rupakadamayam Tadati Sapadantikam Pancha kalpa turubhyascha, kripa sindhu bhayevacha, patitanam pavanebhyo, vaishnavebhyo namo nama. Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Nityananda, Siadvaita Gadadhar, Sivasade Gaur Bhakta Brinda. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare, 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 Rama, Hare, Rama, 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 Hare, Hare. So greetings from New Jersey. Today I will go to New York City to Washington Square Park and join the Harinam, Kaler Doshe. Nidhe Rajan, Eko Asti Mahagunan, Kirtanad Eva Krishna Syamukta Sangam Parambaje. Kaler Doshe Nidhe Rajan, this age of Kali is an ocean of faults. Eko Asti Mahabhata is one good quality. Kirtanad Eva Krishna Sya, when you do the Kirtan of Krishna, Mukta Sangam Parambaje, that you can get the best liberation quickly. We read this morning, we're reading a book called Chaitanya Bhagavat. I think some of you were on that call. And it described two pastimes. And we were at the point when it finished those two pastimes. And, and what happens in the Shastra, it gives what's called a full shruti, shruti of hearing of fruit. Well, what's the fruit of hearing? Well, one who hears these pastimes would get the wealth of devotion. And the point I was making, and I think it's also relevant here, is what you consider your wealth is your faith, and it is the direction you'll move your life to. 
the greatest tragedy is if you have the wrong faith. Prabhupada said, faith means the unflinching trust in something sublime. So if your conception of sublimity is wrong, then all your effort will be useless. Dharma-svanushtita-pumsa means perfect, even if you do your dharma perfectly. If you don't develop bhakti, and the symptom of bhakti is your desire to hear, they're exactly commensurate. How advanced are you in spiritual life? You're as advanced as is your desire to hear the glories of, of the Supreme and his devotees. That's your system of, 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 it, of advance. You can't bluff it. I remember one friend I had and when we lived in Vrindavan, we lived very austerely. So even though he was the chairman of the GBC, the Governing Commission of ISKCON, he was very busy because he was also a scholar. And when you don't do management, you can bluff. But if you don't do scholarship, something it just doesn't get done. And significant work he was doing. So his room was such that everyone that went to the bathroom would pass by his room because he was an interesting person and very deep and full of wisdom. It would be easy to open the door and especially a God brother and come sit in. But he couldn't afford, he couldn't afford to spend time like that. He had to have control of his time. So he had an, an interesting way of getting rid of people. When they came in, he said, if they were really into just, you know, just prajalpa, just idle talk, he would know and he would just say, oh, yeah, let's now read the Shastra together. Oh, I'm busy, I'm busy. So Jiva Goswami makes this statement, this desire to hear. It is the symptom of bhakti, it is the cause of bhakti. And that's the nature of bhakti. Just like kirtan. Kirtan is the, 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 the cause of bhakti. It's also the result of bhakti. Because if you read in the Bhagavatam, you read in the Bhagavatam, the pastimes of Krishna, what's the main symptom of the cowherd boys, Krishna's mother, the gopis? They're glorifying Krishna. That's the main symptom of love. That's generally why someone who has a paramor, paramor, an other lover, they get caught because it, they, they somehow can't stop from glorifying them, even in relationship with their spouse. So that's the symptom of bhakti, it is hearing, and it's the cause of bhakti. So the, the, the result of hearing is developing an attraction for hearing. 
Bhakti Sanjayate Bhakti. Bhakti causes Bhakti. And then it, 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 it's the best life because the best life is when you like to do the things that are best for you. The best thing is chanting. Imagine if you like to do it more than anything else. Our, our mind has two types of thoughts, klishtavritti and aklishtavritti. Klishtavritti are troubling thoughts. Aklishtavritti are tro- thoughts that have no trouble. That's the nature of your mind. And parents can identify with this. What is a klishtavritti? If they look at their child, if they're worried, then they have klishtavritti, troubling thoughts. And what are the troubling thoughts? They are attracted to things that are no good for them. And they're not attracted to the things that are good for them. And what is a klishtavritti? Not troubling thoughts. When you're attracted, when you're attracted to things that are good for you and you're averse to things that are bad for you. And that's the nature of your mind. And a good mind is a mind that has a klishtavrittis. More, this is the whole nature of psychology. This is the whole nature of training. This is the whole nature of the process of devotional service. How to increase our good thoughts. Well, it starts with good ideas. That's why we need guru. That's why we need teacher. That's why we need Shastra. Because good ideas come from the sacred text. Good ideas come from the Bhagavatam. Good ideas come from the Bible. Good ideas come from sacred traditions. And therefore, it's so important to have people who can conceptualize and express them properly and communicate them properly. Because when someone hears a good idea, if they're a little bit pious, if someone hears a good idea, they'll say, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then they'll think about it a little bit. And after thinking about it a little bit, they'll start to apply it even if they don't see it that way, like someone may be addicted to drugs and someone somehow just impresses them in the print and principles of religion and one has to. So maybe they'll see it, oh, I, I should take this or alcohol, I should take this. But no, Gana Chakshus, they'll see through knowledge. And the more you actually see and apply knowledge in your life, the more that point becomes realized. Because what happens is when you do the right thing, even if it is difficult for you, if you do the right thing, you'll become happier. Because when you perform Dharma, what is Dharma? There's a myriad of choices we have. So the correct choice is called Dharma. And it's the choice that will evolve your mind to a higher level of perception and contentment. So if you do Dharma, if you do what's right, you'll feel it. 
and you'll start becoming attracted to what's right. And then you'll get a, a klishta vritti. I like, I like not doing this. I like doing, I like doing the right things. This is good. I don't like anymore to do this. And the mind changes. And the main way the mind changes is by hearing. It first starts with hearing. And therefore in the, the class this morning I quoted um, from the Bhagavatam, Nashta, Prayeshu, Abhadreshu, those things which are Abhadreshu, which are inauspicious, those attachments that degrade the mind. Nashta, they will be destroyed. Prayeshu, almost to nil. Nityam Bhagavata Sevya. Nitya means every day or regularly serving the Bhagavat. And, and the, the book Bhagavat is about the people who are, are, are spiritual and the spiritual people, they speak about the spiritual topics. By that type of regular association. Therefore, we should all have some type of sadhana, we should all have some type of practice where the good ideas of sacred texts come before our mind every day. Because what happens is, if it's not regular, then realizations recede in the consciousness. We forget the experience of happiness that they gave. So especially these pastimes of Krishna are very, very powerful. And if we hear them with attention, we get the wealth of devotion, which means the right faith, the thing that we actually value the most are the things that touch our heart and, and, and create within our heart devotion. I, I tell that story, if any of you, been with me in India and we go to the gardens where I have one of my closest friends. He's about my age. He's a, a gardener, very pious man. And, and we go through the gardens of Vrindavan. Somehow, those of you that have been there with me know that I'm one of the few people that know the secret gate to get to the gardens of Vrindavan, even though it's 15 minutes from our temple, thousands of acres. And I went one year when, when there were, after heavy rains that wiped out the gardeners and I, uh, gardens and I, I met one gardener on the way and we were talking and he, he was complaining. He was complaining so that he lost all his crop this year. He'll lose two lakhs, 200,000 rupees. And he has so many daughters to marry and it's a dowry system. And, he was complaining and complaining and complaining. And then because he spoke the, the old dialogue of, of Brajabhas, the language of Krishna, not even Hindi. So I asked the person with me who knew that language, can you ask him? His eyes are sparkling with happiness. His whole body is so joyful. Can you ask him, how can he be so happy? He's complaining. And, and he, 
And he gave something that's like a mantra. He said, happiness is a heart filled with devotion. Because happiness is happiness. And what is happiness? Happiness is nothing else than pure love. There's no other happiness. If you don't have that, you're not happy. It doesn't matter how many things you have. So the process of bhakti is to awaken this in our hearts. To awaken that feeling in, this, in, our, in our hearts by focusing our concentration on different forms of the divine, whether it's the service of devotees, whether it's hearing of the sacred text, whether it's chanting the names of God or seeing the forms of God or visiting the, it, 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 it's, it's just natural. As much as a mother sees their child, an energy of love is there naturally, not even intellectually, it's natural love. So we have that same connection. And the process of bhakti is to, to, to bring it out. And, and, and most important is, is to hear of, of the spiritual topics. So let me give a summary where we're at. And I, I try to make it very brief because we've been together at this story for a while, but we know this, this great devotee, he hankered to see Krishna and would take all risks to do so. So even though where he lived was overthrown by the demoniac King Kamsa, he stayed in as his minister and feigned support from him for two reasons. One, so he'll be close to Vrindavan in case he ever got an opportunity to go. And you can't buy a ticket to Vrindavan. I know that right now because I can't buy a ticket to Vrindavan. When Krishna calls, we come. And he wanted to serve Krishna's father who's been thrown in jail by Kamsa. So he wanted to stay close to Kamsa to influence Kamsa, not to do undue harm. So these are the two things that carry us to Krishna and carry us to Vrindavan. Service to the devotees, the saintly people, and an ardent desire to attain the divine and willing to undergo all troubles and risks to do so. And those two, those two combinations create a very beautiful consciousness in the heart that attracts God's devotion, attracts God's mercy. And then one day after 12 years, somehow or other, Kamsa was finally informed that the eighth child of Devaki, Krishna's mother, the eighth child of Devaki was actually Krishna. And the whole plot of, of Krishna's father, Vasudev, to save his son and, and at night after he was born, take him to Vrindavan and, and give the child to Mother Yasoda when she was sleeping and didn't know, was revealed. 
And then Kamsa understood that this was the person in the Akashvani, the voice from the sky that we... So he made arrangements. He wanted Krishna to come to Mathura. He made all sorts of plans where he could kill Krishna. And I'm not going to go into it, but there's so many beautiful philosophical points. We'll get, we'll get there. He made so many plans, but he needed a good man. He needed a man that he can trust. And that was Akura. And he told Akura, you go to Vrindavan and you get Krishna. They're village people. We'll hold a big festival. They'll get an opportunity to come to the city. And just don't invite Krishna, invite his parents, otherwise they won't allow him to go. And, and you know, tell them they can sell their milk products. And somehow on your chariot, and here's a new chariot, in this new chariot, you go immediately and bring Krishna. So we know that what happens now is that understanding the demonology, the mind of, 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 a, of a, a, a person, who is ruled by his desires and is overcome by fear and anger that their intelligence cannot be trusted. He knew he better leave immediately, even though it was impractical to leave immediately because it was at night when he told them and it, it's very dark and there's no lights and, and he arrives in the morning. And if he arrives in the morning, it's the worst time. Everyone will be around. He has to catch Krishna at the proper time so that when he tells Krishna, others are really not around immediately. Because taking Krishna from Vrindavan, that's why his, his name is Akrura. Akrura means not cruel. But when the gopis heard that he's going to take Krishna from Vrindavan, they said, this is a joke. How can he be called Akrura, not cruel? He's not a cruel, he's cruel. He's Krura, he's cruel. And of course they were, they were devastated when they heard that. But it was time for Krishna to fulfill a very important part of his mission. Yada yada hi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharata prithanaya sadhunam vanasya. He was to come to establish religious principles and to kill the demoniac people and to save the devotees. And, and, and his parents are, are, are persecuted in Matara. It's time for him to come. But it's not an easy task. And you'll see that today. It's not an easy task. Why? Because Krishna is absorbed in Vrajalila. He's absorbed in the most deep, intimate, loving exchanges. Love that's so deep that he forgets himself. In fact, when Krishna is with Radha, there's esoteric descriptions of their meetings in books like Chaitanya Charitamrita that Krishna is so deep, his love is so deep, he's so focused on satisfying Radha that he forgets that he's Krishna. He has no self-identity. There's, there's yourself, there's the person, there's the bhakta, there's bhakti, and there's Bhagavan. There's the person who loves, there's the love itself, 
And then there's the object of love. Well, he forgets himself. And Radha forgets herself. And it's, it's not impersonal, but there's pictures of this merging of Radha and Krishna. Like Radha has the hands on the flute. She's wrapped. It's very deep because that's the highest love. And the highest love is intoxicating. It's described that the highest love, in a sense, is greater than God. Why? Because what is great is being the karanam or the cause. I am great. I can enjoy. Therefore, I have power. I can do this to enjoy. So the karanam, the, the person, is greater than the love because he is the cause of the love. If you're the cause, you're the karanam, you're greater. When Krishna is in the rasa dance, dancing with, with Radharani and the different gopis, he becomes so intoxicated with that love that the love becomes greater. Why? Because when you're intoxicated, you don't act for love. You don't act for pleasure out of pleasure you act. So person knows when someone is addicted, then he, he, he's no longer the cause of his own destiny. He's at, at the pleasure is ruling him. But what is Krishna's pleasure? Krishna's pleasure is that prema, that love. It becomes so great. So it's such a task to get Krishna from Vrindavan. Narada Muni, the great saint, instigated this because he, he has a vision of the whole thing that Krishna's pastimes must proceed and Krishna must save his parents. And he incited Kamsa, somehow or other, he incited Kamsa that he must do this. And then Kamsa, he, he revealed the whole story that, that this Vasudev, Krishna's father who promised you he'd give you the eighth child. He tricked you. When the eighth child was born, he's so intelligent, Vasudev, that he figured a way to get that child to Vrindavan. And he brought back the daughter of Mother Yasoda. So when that daughter was born and it was Maya Devi personified, that wasn't the eighth child. The eighth child was Krishna. So, This was all, so, so Akura, a very intelligent person had to go for so many reasons, how to explain, how to, how to get this job done and get Krishna to, to go to Vrindavan when all the residents are so attached and Krishna himself is so absorbed in love. He shows up at the wrong time. The coward boys just may, may beat him away with sticks. So Akura, knowing that he, he has to follow Kamsa's order, but he can't exactly follow it because it's the night, he just takes the chariot and goes out, out of town. And because it's a codice, he stays up all night. That's how the, the strict, strictest Vaishnavas observe the codice. They, they don't sleep in that night. They stay, he stayed up 
He'd even sit on that chariot because he wanted to offer it first to Krishna, not something that he used. You don't, when you love someone, you don't offer them something used. You offer them something new. Although um, I have a friend, I never, this was just a side story. I have a friend that lives in Nepal. I know him for about 30, 40 years. He's British. He's a bit eccentric. And he's a teacher. And he, he collected shawls. He collected shawls. So he, he told me recently that because of the pandemic, there was um, an economic, it was an economic problem. So he had to sell one of his shawls. I had no idea. Look, I'm, I know nothing about fashion, but he said it was called shatush. And it's a particular Tibetan animal that somehow the hair is so fine that you can have one shawl and you can put it through a whole wedding ring. It's some called a ring shawl. It's so fine. It's the warmest shawl. It's so soft. You can, it, it, no matter how big it is, you can put it through. And I said, well, how much did you sell it to? And he told me who he sold it to. And I was quite surprised. And he said, I won't tell you. So I looked it up they, between five and $20,000 for a shawl. Chatouche. So if you get, you know, if you give someone a used chatouche shawl, but generally in devotion, you don't give things used. We know, we know that principle in worshiping the deities. Once something is offered to Krishna, or if it's used by something else, even in the strictest temples, you know, if they have boga to offer and a dog comes and sees it and lusts or a person, it's always covered. Because if it's enjoyed first, then it's an item that's not offered with as much devotion. So Kura stood up in the chariot. And then the story proceeds because what happened is it goes to another story because many things are happening at the same time. So the story can't proceed one after another. You have, so at the same time that he told Akura, you go, you go to Matara, you go, you go to Vrindavan. He told this demon, you, you go, you, you go to Vrindavan and kill Krishna because that'll solve the whole problem. We want, we want to, if, if he's not, we can't kill him, then we'll bring him here. So demons, they have the mystic potency. They can manifest in, in different forms of an animal. So he manifests in terms of this horse demon. And we know we just had the story. He comes in, he's, he's, he's tall as the sky. The most prominent aspect on a horse is the hair. So the, the demon is named the Keshi demon, the hair demon, because the mane is, and very interesting, Krishna very easily kills him. So much so that he has no pride in doing it, even though it's a great feat because he thinks it's so easy. And Krishna puts his left hand in. When you do something left-handed, because generally people are right-handed, when you do things left-handed, it's kind of like a, a, a display, a one hand behind the back of your strength. 
and 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 he 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 puts the hand in the mouth and and then suffocates the demon and he breaks the teeth and the commentators say every little detail in krishna's pastimes have a lot of meaning and if we want we can pay attention to it so you said the teeth one name for the teeth is dwija dwija means two ja means born twice born so two things are twice born One is when someone gets diksha or the, or the proper initiation, it, you become you can you can be called uh, if you get the Brahmin initiation, it can be called dwija. It can be called twice born. One the first birth is you're born from the mother and father, and now you have a new birth, a spiritual birth. You're twice born. I know in the wives of the Brahmins, when the when the cowherd boys were asking the Brahmins for some food for Krishna, and they were so ritualistic Brahmins, they, they couldn't actually see the goal. They ignored them. The cowherd boys became sarcastic and said, oh, Dwija, because Dwija means twice born. So that's a great compliment, but if you want to use it, you can use it another way like Dwija, not many people are twice born, not many people are the, the Brahmin class, it's a small percentage of society that are the priests and the teachers and the elevated souls and have the qualities of goodness. But Dwija also means one who is born of two people. It can be very ordinary too. So. It represents the Brahmins and the hand represents the Kshatriyas, the warriors. And it meant the subtle point there is that the warriors, if there's irreligion and they see that the priestly caste is exploiting the people, then they'll even, even though they're subordinate in terms of the social system, they'll also have to take some concern there. So anyway, the demon is killed. And now what happens is Narada Muni comes because he's the one that wants to move the pastime forward. And he's called Devashir. Deva means God and Rishi means Sadhu. So he's a, a Deva, he's a demigod and he's also a Sadhu. And he also, sometimes the scriptures say he represents the mind of Krishna. So Krishna is gonna be, he thinks Krishna is gonna be very reluctant to leave Vrindavan because of his love for the residents there. And he's, he's absorbed in the highest loving exchanges. But Narada is gonna represent the mind to tell him that this is your duty and this is time to go. And he's gonna explain basically in so many ways why you should go. So he says, my dear King, so this is being described by Sukadeva Goswami. Thereafter, Lord Krishna was approached in a solitary place by the great sage among the demigods, Narada. So, he approaches him in a solitary place. 
Okay, because this is not a cruer yet. Narada comes first. And he's just killed this demon. And he knows that a cruer is coming, but he wants to make sure that he, he wants to make sure that Krishna gets the message he has to go. And Narada, who's instigated this from the very beginning by telling Kamsa, now wants to make sure that Krishna is prepped, prepared, when Akura gives him that message. And Narada, it, but he meets him in a solitary place, and it, 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 it says, Upa Sangama, Upa means close, Sangha proximity, and Amya means from a distance. So he's approaching in close proximity after carefully observing that no one else was nearby. Because he understands that they love him so much that if he, if he comes and other people are around with this news, these emotional cowherd boys and Krishna's parents, what to be the gopis that are so absorbed in Krishna, when they hear him say, Krishna, it's time to go to Vrindavan. He doesn't know what they'll do. And he also fears because Narada Muni, it was very interesting. He had something to do with Krishna's parents being put in prison, but not in a bad way. Because he, he knew that because one thing is, is Kamsa, when he found out that Vasudev had cheated him and, and, and actually had taken that eighth child he wanted to kill, he was thinking he would kill Krishna's parents themselves. So Narada said, ah, Vasudev, you know, don't, if you kill him, then Krishna will go to the forest. You'll never get him. So better you just put him in, in prison. But it got out that he put him in prison, so he's afraid that Krishna may chastise him. So he didn't want anybody else around because Krishna could get angry with him. And he also wanted to get Krishna when he was alone because he's afraid once Krishna's with his devotees, he's so absorbed, he may not even notice that he's there. And then his mood, Narada Muni's mood, is one of, of great reverence. The coward boys are ragatmaka devotees. There's no there's intimate love. There's no regulation. They don't look at Krishna as the supreme. Narada sees him as, as God. So it'd be very, very awkward for Narada Muni to come in when all the coward boys, because he's going to do it properly. He's going to pay his basances. He's going to offer prayers. And then with the coward boys around, he's not, it's gonna be a, a, a mixed mood. So he meets them there. And the most exalted devotee, para vara, vara means the best, like Krishna is natta vara. Natta means acting or dancing and Krishna is vara. So he's the best dancer. Here it says pravara, vara means the best, Bhagavat Prava, not only the best, but Vara means the best, but Prabha means the, the, the supreme best. So Bhagavat Para. 
He's the most exalted devotee because he is the well-wisher of everyone. He's even the well-wisher of his enemies. The great souls are Krishna Kirtana Ganinartana Pano Premamritam Bonidhi Dira Dira Janaprio Piakaro Nirmatsaro Pujitao Sri Chaitanya Kripabaro Bubibabo Parabhantarako Vande Rupa Sanatino Raguyago Si Jiva Gopalako Dira Dira Janaprio Priyakaro Namatsaran The great devotees are Priya to Dira and Adira. They're, they're, they're very dear to those who are dira, very sober, adira, the gentle and the ruffians. Why? Dira, dira, janapiyakaro, near matsuro, and they're worshiped because they're near matsara. They don't have any hate. And hate is very much connected with desire. Because when you have the desire, <laughs> then envy develops. You have to be very, very careful. But he doesn't want anything. So even the, the, the ruffians, they, 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 they become threatened when they see anyone with desire because they feel it's gonna, it's gonna infringe on their control and enjoyment. But when, when someone is completely saintly, he has no other desire. So he's Bhagavat Prava. He's the most exalted devotee. He just wants to serve. He's completely saintly. And therefore that competitiveness that we feel in the world, we don't feel in their presence. So he's Bhagavat Prava and, and he spoke as follows. to the Lord who effortlessly performs his pastimes. So then, Narada Muni says, oh Krishna, Krishna, unlimited source of mystic power, Lord of the universe, O Vasudev, shelter of all beings and best of the Yadus, O master, you are the supreme soul of all creative beings, sitting unseen within the cave of the heart, like the fire dormant within kindling wood. You are the witness within everyone, the supreme personality of Godhead and the ultimate controlling deity. So Narada is speaking prayers but he's very, very smart because each word each word is not just conveying Krishna's glories, but each word is explaining why she, he should go. So first of all, 
it says Krishna Krishna Prameyatam. So Krishna is repeated twice. And when a word is repeated twice, it can have one of two meanings. The first meaning when a word is is, is repeated twice, because otherwise it's generally an editing mistake. If you, editors take great joy in, in making things simple. When I read my Monday morning greetings, the power of my writing is not what I put in, it's what I take out. I can tell you that. I have so many wonderful things that I want to express. And then I just see, and I try to fit it in, but if it doesn't fit in, it's out. And you have to be very detached to do that because sometimes you have very brilliant ideas or you feel something you want to communicate, but it, if it doesn't fit in the focus, it's out. Very hard. I, I know one friend who wrote a book and he was very, very brilliant. And it was Krishna Leela. And it was so deep and there was so many things in it. But maybe he wasn't such a good writer. But he was a very powerful person. And his, his editor had a very hard time editing him. So he got together to meet about the book with other intellectual devotees. And then one of them who was very saintly told him, you have to get detached from your darlings, the things you like, so you have to. So usually you edit out, but Krishna, Krishna, it's Narada Muni. When you say Krishna's name more than once, what is it called? It's called Kirtan. So Narada just is enthusiastic. So he first wants to begin with Kirtan. And also because he feels that he may have committed offenses to Krishna's parents, then Krishna, Krishna. Chanting relieves one of offenses if it's done sincerely. If you offend someone, you have to beg their forgiveness. This is bhakti. And if they won't forgive you, then you have to chant constantly, praying that the holy name, who's Krishna, enters into their hearts and changes their hearts. And also Krishna means abode and na means of happiness. So when he's saying Krishna, Krishna, he's trying to convey to, to he, Narada is trying to convey Krishna that my proposal, Krishna, Krishna is the abode of happiness. It will bring happiness for everyone. And he describes Krishna as aprameyatam, oh immeasurable one. And he's expressing, oh, oh, what can I not measure? I cannot measure your mind. I really have to depend completely on you because I don't under, you may be so absorbed that it may be very, very difficult. And, but don't worry, your yogesh, Yogesh means the source of all mystic power. So you can go to, to Matara Krishna because you have such mystic power that you can go to Matara and you can stay here. And when it says that Krishna is aprameyatam, he has a measurable power. 
what does that mean? Do we know what immeasurable power means? I described this morning that Krishna is omniscient. We're not omniscient. Why are we not omniscient? How can Krishna know everything? Of course, Krishna is everywhere in all phases of space and time. Where there is no circumference, one great philosopher said, talking about God, the center is everywhere. Where is Krishna? He's everywhere. In all phases of time. So he's immediately there in all phases of time. So how can he not know everything? So he knows everything. So And then it says he's Jagad Ishwar, he's Lord of the universe. So he's selling, you're Lord of the universe. Not only the Lord of Raja, you're the Lord of the universe. Not only Vrindavan, but also you're the Lord of Matara too. So you must go. And then you are Akila Vas. It means the shelter of all living entities. But Devaki's name is also Akila. So you're also the shelter of your mother. Devaki, you must go. And you are Pravaha, Yadu Pravaha of the Yadu dynasty. You're not just a well-wisher, but you're Pravaha. Again, the same word, you are the best. You must go. And then in one commentary, I read it, but Krishna could argue, well, I'm already everywhere, so why do I have to go to Matara? And then he says, but Atma, you're everywhere, Atma Sarva as the super soul. But just like fire is in wood, you are everywhere, but you're not you're not manifest in Matara. So now you have to manifest in Matara for your, your vision. So anyway, it's getting on, but in, in these ways, he's trying to encourage him to go. Okay. Okay, anybody like to share reflection? Hare Krishna. Yeah. Oh, Indira. Hare Maharaj. Okay. Like to share something? Or just say hello. Uh, are you talking about Yeah, Indira. Okay. Um, yes. When you talked about um, all good ideas come from scripture, that was really nice. And it's true. It's it's funny how you sometimes get an aha moment, like, oh my God, you know, I should be doing this, or why wasn't I doing this? Like we need good ideas. Sure. <laughs> and good ideas come from the sacred traditions. So that's why Shastra is so important. 
Thank you. Good. Thank you, Adira. Anybody else? Jamuna Jaya? Hey, Valaraj. I have a wonderful class. I have two things. Um, one is the way you said it's if it's not regular, realization seeds to the background. And I think that's such a true thing. If it's not Actually, regular, it just I, goes away. I got that from C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis, he, ah. he wrote something on faith. And he described when people leave Christianity, it's not because they read something in the Bible or, you know, that, 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 you know, all of a sudden they had a realization, you know, that they couldn't accept this or something. But he said, because they're not regularly engaging the experience and realizations that brought them recede. And it, it, I, 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 I remember, oh my God, yes, this is why. But you forget, this is why, this is why I'm a devotee. This is why I'm dedicating my life. This is why I'm sacrificing. But it's an experience. Mm -hmm. Faith is trust based on experience. So we have these experiences where we've seen God, where we've tasted God, where we've felt God. But we can forget if we don't renew them. Thank you. Anybody else like to say hello? Hi, Krishna Maharaj. Missy, how about? So, Dira and Jamuna took mine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, um, yeah, I, that really hit home too, because I, I was thinking about Eddie, he worries about his kids all the time. And the worry comes from because he thinks that they'll be attracted to things that are not good for, for them. Um, yeah. So a lot of these things just really hit the heart of, you know, being focused with the, the right attention and, and keeping consistent and, and constantly hearing. Um, and I will see you today in New York City. Okay, that's great. You know, it's difficult when the children get older because you have no control over them. When yeah. they're younger, th that's when we have our best chance to figure out ways to give them the right ideas. Because what happens is the main, the main, um, behavior for a child, the main thing he has to be taught is obedience because he doesn't have intelligence. And when you don't have the intelligence, you can't digest your experiences. Like for example, if someone like a, if, if a girl gets treated badly by a man, but then she'll say, well, it, it, this man is evil. Not all men are evil or and I have a certain karma, whatever. So it doesn't create, a, it, 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 it prevents it from creating a trauma. But when they're young, there's nothing to digest it. So it may go into the consciousness and create an irrational thought. All men are bad, or all women are bad, or prejudices, or so many things that enter into the consciousness. But the idea is, is that the parents train up the intelligence, the child's booty, and as the child's intelligence is getting stronger and stronger, they begin to shift the obedience from themselves to the, to the child's intelligence. They start giving the child freedom as they see that the child's um, intelligence is strong and they can be obedient to their own intelligence. 
once they get older in this modern world, of course, with all the influences and the media, you know, basically you just got to pray to God. <laughs> okay, thank you, Missy. I'll thank see you. you today, okay? Say hello. I'll be there. Okay. Anybody else like to say hello? Thank you, Samara. Thank you. Oh, okay. Nice to see you again, Nityangi. Anybody else say hello? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, hi, Krishna Maharaj. Yeah, I like the fact that you made sense out of Krishna is beyond time and space. You know, you, you define it in a way that makes sense to me now, finally. Isn't it but, wonderful, Gail, that you've heard over 5,000 of my classes? <laughs> If anybody doesn't know, Gail has heard every, this has been going on for 15 years. That's minimum two classes a week. That means a hundred, over a hundred classes a year for 15 years. That's 1500 classes. And that includes every home program. So Gail has not heard less than 2000 classes. And still I can say, I can either say something new or I can still say something she doesn't understand. So it's an amazing phenomena. Okay, anybody else like is, to say? The thing of my life is that you might say the same thing, but you'll say it with a twist, and that twist is key. Well, that's a new thing. It's with a new twist. Okay. Anybody else like to say hello? Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj, Narmasaki. Thank you for the oh, great class. Wow, wonderful. Okay, anybody else? Thank you, Thank you for the class. Thank you. Thank oh, you much. Again. <laughs> where you are, it means you're you're at in the in the evening, you're staying up to hear my class, I bet. That's yeah. very good. Great. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank you. Anybody else? Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Krishna Premi. Krishna Premi. Hi Bo. Okay. Hi Bo. Okay. One or two more, because I see the list, so I know everybody's there anyway. Stephen Andy, Haribo. Haribo. Okay. It's not required that people, I just like to get a sense of a few people there. It creates in my mind image. Anybody else? Nobody? Okay, then I will go. And who's ever around that wants to meet me can meet me down at the park. Hi, Bill.